0: You may be seated, and uh, if you are age 12 and under, you may head back to Camp Pointway. Welcome back, Tony. I'm glad that you're back from Alaska. So we have folks that have been to Alaska. We have folks that are down in Florida. We have folks that are camping this weekend, and uh, we're scattered about. But you're here this morning, and I'm thankful for that. And so we're going to continue on um, as I like to, to mention every once in a while, if you came here looking for a Father's Day message, you're going to be disappointed, right? I tend not to do Father's Day messages or Mother's Day messages because inevitably it excludes people. And so we're actually going to just continue on our series in Colossians, not that I don't think Father's and Mother's Days are important, but again, we're going to look at God's Word this morning and, and stick with Colossians and um, We were talking actually a couple of months ago, we were talking about Father's Day coming up and saying, you know, we were trying to look through the Bible at our men's group and saying, is there any good fathers in the Bible? You know, it's really hard to find a good physical father. Uh, The only good father is our Heavenly Father. And so um, that's the other problem. It leads to that, you know, feeling inferior, feeling down and excluded, and so Um, another good reason not to do just a Father's Day message. Not that it's wrong, but just a preference of mine. Anyways, before I get in trouble, or any more trouble, um, let's head to the book of Colossians. We're going to continue. We just started this series uh, last week. Uh, We're in chapter 1. Lord willing, we're going to finish chapter 1 this week. Um, PJ's not here. I'm not quite as slow and in-depth as she is in the book of Philippians, so we'll move a little bit quicker. But Paul writes... This letter to the the church in Colossae, which is a group of churches. It's not just a church. It's a a group of churches in the surrounding area. It's actually in a little valley. Um, It's predominantly Greek in the area, so there's a lot of that influence um, in the culture around them. The the background is always important to to realize because it helps when you see what Paul's writing. But Paul did not found this church. This was not one of Paul's churches, but he's writing to them and last week, we, we kind of understood that he was writing to them uh, in a place of authority, right? And he's, there is a, a main problem that's going on in this church or in these area of churches. And frankly, it's a, a problem that continues on today. It hasn't stopped. All right. As you know, I don't ask rhetorical questions. So what was the main problem in that area? All right. Idolatry. No. Well, I mean, I'm sure that might have been a problem, but... Oh, there we go. Someone. Oh, you were letting someone else go first. All right. Sure. Oh, that's good. Wow, man. All right. Okay. There's a major problem. There's false teachers in the area. And the false teachers were attacking the deity of Christ or who Christ is. right. And why I say it's still a problem today, because guess what? There is still going on where either there's, people believe there's many ways to heaven, uh, that Jesus is not the only way, or many believe that, that Jesus was only here for a short time, it was just his physical body, he was just a good teacher. Uh, Islam, right? He's just a prophet, just a good teacher. They believe in Jesus, but certainly not as the Messiah. And we, we, last week, we looked at that he was fully God and fully man here on earth with us at that time, and how important that is, right? Being a Christian, being a follower of Christ is a divider. It, there is only one way. It's an absolute, all right? There's not many of those, but that is an absolute. You can't get to heaven any other way except through Christ. And so you can see where it becomes problematic in the church if you're not teaching that. And so we looked through that in chapter 1 last week, at least the beginning part. Paul's going to strengthen that argument today a little bit more and continue on. But that's the major theme that goes through this as we're working through Colossians. So I said I'm going to back up a little bit because I'm going to go back to verse 19. We covered it a little bit last week, um, but again, it all flows together. And so it was just a good place to stop. But we're going to go back a little bit to verse 19. It says, For God was pleased to have in all his fullness dwell in him. And through him, to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. All right, The him he's talking about is Jesus. All right? And again, we have this problem. There's this problem that we are born as sinners, and we have a holy God, and we need someone to come between in order to get there. And we can't do it on our own. It's impossible. We cannot please God. We cannot reconcile a relationship. We can do nothing in our own to get to heaven, to get to Christ, to reconcile with God. That's the the title. You're going to see that word over and over again. Christ the reconciler, right? He's our go-between, right? Again, we have a holy God that can't be anywhere near sin, And so it doesn't matter how perfect you try to live, one sin keeps you from there, right? It's a chasm that can't be crossed except through Jesus Christ, right? Even as a believer, when God looks down upon us, God knows that we're a sinner, but he doesn't look at us. He looks at us through the lens of Jesus Christ, that blood that was shed for us. Sorry, it just chokes me up every time because it's important. Uh, it's the whole basis why we're here. But that's what he sees. He sees through Jesus, he sees us. And so we need that, that go-between, that reconciliation, because we can't pay for that sin on our own. It was, uh, many of us, interesting, we had evangelism class yesterday, and we went over that several times. Uh, many of you were here, and I'm thankful that uh, it was part of the class. But we talked about it doesn't matter if you break the chain. Remember the chain that he had, in the illustration? If one of those laws, one of the Ten Commandments, right? Just one. We can't make it without Jesus. It's the only way. Again, what happens also in this church where the teaching is all right, so if Jesus is the standard, Jesus is the perfect one, He's the Messiah, well, then maybe I have to do something, right? I have to work to get there, right? No. We need that indwelling in the Holy Spirit to do the work. I think one of the ladies actually mentioned it yesterday. It's, I was, it was laughing because it's one of my pet peeves as well. It talks about forgiveness, right? And, and there's a popular phrase that goes around and says, well, I need to forgive myself. That's false, right? That's a false that's out there, a false teaching that's out there. Because if I can forgive myself, then I'm forgiven, and then I don't need Christ. See the wrong thinking there? Again, it lowers what Christ did on the cross. It diminishes that, that forgiveness. I need Christ's forgiveness. Right? Again, it's not by my works. It's what Christ did on the cross. And so it says here that God was pleased. Right? He was pleased. He did that for us. He sent his son to die on the cross so that all things could be reconciled, right? so he could bring us together again. Again, it had to go through the cross in order to get there. So again, that's the importance of the gospel and the importance of Christ. Again, Paul's talking to believers in this church, and so they knew that, they knew that teaching, but Paul wanted to remind them, hey, don't diminish that. Don't get away from that. This is important. This is important doctrine. If you were here a few weeks ago, Dave James, right? I'm going to continue to use this quote because it still resonates, right? What our doctrine in plays out in how we live our lives. What we believe shows up in how we live. Right? And so this is important. This can't be watered down. Everything comes through the cross, through Jesus. Verse 21. Once you were, an alien, you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior... But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. I'm going to stop right there, right? It's showing that chasm. I talked about that, that great divide, right? You know, right? You know how you were. You were you, you far from God. Again, you as believers say, you know, right? You know how you were before, and you know how you are now. And then once you become a believer, that relationship is there. And sometimes we don't feel, I hate to even use that word, we don't feel like we're connected. But it's not because of God, it's usually because of us, right? And we're going to look at some of those ways to continue that relationship, to grow that relationship. But it's not just the fact that you didn't know God, it says you were an enemy of God, right? An enemy. You're working against God. If you pull it out, that's kind of what that means, right? You're not, you, know, you can't, as an unbeliever, work for God. Now, he uses even his enemies in certain situations, but as a believer, we're not an enemy anymore. Again, that great chasm that Jesus pulls us back in right relationship. And that, verse 22, but, right? But cancels all that stuff out, Right? Everything before but gets canceled out, right? Because but now as a believer, you've been reconciled to Christ through his death, his burial and resurrection, without blemish and free from accusation, right? Continually, the accuser, we know in other scriptures it talks about that the, the devil stands there continually accusing us before the Father. But remember, what does God see when he looks at us? Jesus. Yeah, somebody said it. Right. Right? Through that blood, that's what he sees us through. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, praise God. Right? You should get excited about that because, again, I'm not sure that I want God to see me as I am quite often. Right? Doesn't mean that we still don't sin. Doesn't mean we still don't wrestle with sin. No, we do. And we still need to ask for forgiveness, confess with our mouth. that, That still applies. But when God looks at us as a child, he sees his son and we're without blemish. We're accepted. He's pleased. Again, foundational doctrines that you need as a believer. And hold to that. Verse 25, as we go on, it says, If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is a gospel that what you heard and that you have been proclaimed to in every Creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Right? Just a reminder I know some of you probably get tired of hearing me say this, but it's great salvation. You get saved, right? But God cares about what we do afterwards, right? Paul's saying the same thing. Paul is saying, All right, it's great that you got saved. And if you want to use the term, I'm not a big fan of it, but I got my ticket to heaven. I'm all set. No. Really, in many ways, now some, some hard work has to begin, right? We don't want to keep on sinning. We don't want to keep on being the same old person because now we're a new child. We're a new creature, a new creature. And we need to continue on in our faith, right? That's what a lot of the writings are. The writings are encouragement, right? What do we do next? It's always great when someone comes to Christ and you share that and they, they're excited and they're like, hey, what do I do next? Right? That enthusiasm. Sometimes as older Christians, we, we kind of lose that, that, that fervor, that excitement, right? We, we're like, oh, what do I got to do next? Right? If we're being honest, right? right? Oh, I know what I need to do. I need to get back to those things that I did when I was young in the faith reading my word, sharing my testimony. Reaching out to others. Yesterday we were challenged to to share the gospel. Those awkward moments, if you were there yesterday, those awkward moments, right? But not watering down the truth. And so Paul is saying that we need to continue on in our faith. The if means since you, in, in many ways, it can translate either way, established and firm, right? Firm foundation, good doctrine, right? God's word, what does it say? You know, we're blessed. We have that. We have the history. We know good doctrine. We just need to study it. Because when we hear all the false stuff out there, there's a lot of it. Believe me, I, I, we see so much of it now with media and YouTubes and you name it. It's everywhere. And it, it takes a lot more discernment, I think, today in many ways than it did in the past. But we need to know what we believe so we can say, No, nope, that's not right. Uh, that's, no, nah, that's false. Because you know what? A lot of times no, a little bit of truth in it, so it kind of catches our eye. But then dig a little deeper. No, that has a bad root in it. And so we need discernment. right? And we need to be firm in what we do believe. Sometimes it's good to challenge that and go back to those foundational truths. What do I really believe about this? Not to be immovable, but to be able to defute those things that are wrong. And again, he mentions the gospel here that's been proclaimed, right? Paul hadn't been there. Paul hadn't proclaimed it, but he knew the the people that had, and he knew they were solid. He knew they were good teachers. He knew they had preached the same gospel. And then Paul here at the end is going to start talking about himself a little bit here, and he says, I, Paul, have become a servant, right? Remember, he starts off, he's he's an apostle, right? He's coming down as a heavy father. He's coming down as a, hey, we need to work on some things. There's some things I'm concerned about you, But yet he says, I'm a servant. I'm a servant to God. And he says, that's really what he's saying is that's the purpose of this. I'm here to serve, to watch over, to be a help, to be a guide for you. All right, shifts a little bit here with verse 24. It says, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church right? Paul, in essence, is saying that, hey, I'm making some sacrifices, but it's nothing in comparison to Christ, right? What Christ gave up for the church, again, those interchanges, the body and the church, they use that, that metaphor for it, right? It in, pales in comparison. Remember, Paul's in prison when he's writing this, yet yeah, he's saying, it pales, my affliction is nothing compared to what Christ did, right? In light of the sacrifice that Christ made. This is nothing. But I do this because I am a servant, right? As a believer, we're going to be asked to make some sacrifices. There are some things that you have to give up. you here this morning. You've given up your Sunday morning to be here, right? You give up time to read your Bibles. You give up time to pray. You give up things, in essence, as a servant of Christ, as a believer. But they're worth it. You've found value in it. You say it's worth it to do those things. And Paul is saying the same thing. He's not bemoaning that. He's just saying, hey, this is, in comparison to what Christ did, this is nothing to what I do for you as well. Because I've been become a servant by the commission God gave me, to present to you the word of God in its fullness, right? The fullness. He's giving the complete gospel. That's what he's saying. He's giving them the complete word. That fullness means that he's given it all to them. If you have Jesus, you have it all. And again, you've got the sound teaching. You've got enough to go on. That's what he's saying here. God's given him that ability. He's given him that opportunity. Again, it's not his words, but God's words. Now we get into a little bit of fun stuff. I think it's fun. Maybe you you can tell me afterwards. But the mystery. Anyone like mystery movies or mystery? Yeah, right? The mystery. Paul says, The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right, there are a couple of different, Paul uses this word mystery often here. And again, relative to the culture, this is important because he's revealing the mystery. Because also going around in Colossae in this area and throughout that, that region was this thought of different levels of dimensions and different Today we call it new age, but it's not really new. It's been around for a long time. But, um, and so think if I'm more spiritual, I'll have a greater depth of understanding. In the end, it's rooted in pride, right? I'm more spiritual than you. and That's, that's really where that comes from and different levels. I actually have a cousin who's gotten very deep into that, and she goes on these pilgrimages, and she travels, and she sits out in fields, and she... Different dimensions. She goes to another dimension and she believes in Jesus, but then she adds on all these other things. And we've had conversations, and I'm not sure really where she stands. And again, she believes in Jesus, but but it's all this mysticism, and she gets wrapped up into it. And so Paul's saying, Hey, here's a mystery, but I'm going to give you the answer to the mystery. If you look, it's right in the text in many ways says, the mystery has been kept from you for ages and ages, right? The Old Testament from time on, right? It was about the chosen, the, the Jews, right? But now we're in the church age, and what is one of the mysteries now that, that's changed that, that paradigm? Jews, Gentiles, I'm giving you all the hints. Anyone want to? Is there a difference now? Do Jews come to Christ one way and Gentiles come another? Ah, oh, man, good job. Good job. Excellent, right? That was a mystery before, right? Gentiles had to try to become Jews and, and, and go through all this, the, 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 the ritual, the outside stuff, and, and it was hard for them. And not many of them would go through that. And they were never seen as completely Jew. They were always on the outside. In like fact, even in the temple, they had different courts and Gentiles had to stay in one area and the Jews got in further and the priests, right? There was a separation, but now there is none. They're on equal ground. Again, this is a, a mystery that's been revealed, and Paul is just enlightening them. them. Remember, the area has a lot of Greeks, and so to them, this is a reason for rejoice, right? I don't have to go through circumcision. I don't have to go through sacrifice. I don't have to go through all the religious festivals anymore. I can just come to Christ as I am. And so this mystery has been pulled away, and Paul is just reminding them of that. Because, again, in the area, there were Jews among them that wanted them to go back to the old way. That hearkening back to the temple, back to the sacrificial system, back to the Old Testament. And see, what that does, though, is it takes away from, that negates who Jesus was. Remember, the shedding of the blood was the final sacrifice. And we believe that. that That's it. There's no more sacrifice. Jesus did that on the cross. And so again, that becomes dangerous in teaching. So that's just one of the mysteries that that Paul reveals here. And there's some in Ephesians, there's some, uh, even just the, the bride of Christ is even said to be a mystery. But Paul tells us here what the mystery is, right? This mystery, there's also the mystery of the Holy Spirit living within you. That free gift that Christ gives us is the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Right, That's still mysterious in many ways. I don't understand how that all works. And, and, and again, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit and living in me and guiding me and directing me. But it's a gift. It's Another gift that we get at salvation. And so that's important. That's a part of that teaching. Uh, there's a lot here that you can, can work through that. But that mystery has now been made known. In fact, he goes on and he says, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Right? The job of the preacher is to proclaim, right? Proclaim Christ. Again, evangelists go and proclaim, right? Proclaim the gospel. Go tell people. Tell them what he's done. Tell them the changes he's made in your life. Share that. Paul's all saying there's a a place for admonishing, right? Correcting wrong teaching. Admonishing sounds like a harsh word, but really it's a kind and gentle word in many ways, right? Because if I see you doing something wrong and I just let you continue to do it, that's kind of cruel in a way. But if I say, hey, you know what, brother? No, that's wrong. You need to step away from that. You need to come over here and and get away from that. That's going to harm you. Right? Or that teaching is going to lead you somewhere where you're not going to be where you are with Christ. You're going to lose your relationship. Right? So that's part of that admonishing is a kindness. It's a, like a father reaching out and saying, hey, come back, protecting you. Right? Same thing with teaching. Teaching is that encouragement. Teaching is helpful. Knowledge is not bad, and understanding is not bad, and I'm not saying by all means study. Study, study higher. but if, if we study the wrong thing, then we become watered down, or we become ineffective in other areas, right? That balance approach. Right? It's not all about wisdom, but we do need to seek after some wisdom. And again, he says, so that I can present you perfect, right? He wants them to be holy. He wants them to grow in their faith. And then he wraps this section up, and he says, "To this end, I labor struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me right who's Paul give the credit to? Amen, yeah, the Holy Spirit right it's not paul's strength, Paul knows Paul knows himself, he knows his strength, right? Have you ever been pushed to that end where you just have nothing left and and somehow God gives you the strength to go one more or to do one more thing. Maybe it's to sing one more song or if you're on a mission trip. There's those certain times in life we need that, that, that extra that it's just not there. The tank's empty. But God's equipped us, gives us that extra set to go a little bit further, go a little bit longer, to persevere a little bit harder. Right? That's that Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about, that indwelling inside of us that gives us that power. Paul says, it's a struggle. I'm struggling that, right? I don't know if you've been in that spot, but you know that that, that can become a real struggle, right? Because our flesh is so weak, our flesh is like, nope, I'm done. Tap me out. I don't want to do this. But you know that's what God wants you doing. so he gives you that strength to go on. It's a great thing to be used by God, and Paul realizes that. And so we wrap up chapter 1 with that, with focusing on Christ the reconciler. Think back Right? And it's good to, to pause in our walk to, to think back to that time before that great gulf where we couldn't get to God. Remember that Christ is that reconciler. He's the one that bridged the gap for us. He's the one that made it possible to have a relationship with the Almighty God. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful? Yeah, definitely an Amen. It's a powerful thing that we have and a a wonderful gift that we have from Christ. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we, we do remember the great sacrifice you made on our behalf, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for the gift of salvation, that if we accept it through you, through the blood of Jesus, we are reconciled to the Father. Lord, continue to help us to grow in our relationship with you. Continue to help us to to go deeper in our love for you and the love for others. Lord, watch over us. Help us to, to remain in you and to refute those things that are not from you. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. Lord, may you bless them in a special way today. May you comfort those who are struggling, may you be with those who are in need of a special touch. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.